0: Hi, welcome to part 5 of this uh, six part series about uh, MQP 1.0. And uh, now we're gonna go a level lower and we're gonna talk about MQP and how it manifests on the wire. And first we're gonna talk about the primitive types and uh, how they manifest on the wire. And then in the next and last part, we're gonna talk about messages and frames and how they manifest on the wire, putting all those things together. So, primitive types um, are part of the AMQP type system amqp has its own portable complete language independent type system that's used for all the core amqp elements so when i talked about frames before and talked about parameters all those parameters are and properties are expressed in this type system and the type system has been created specifically for fast and flexible processing and for compact representation as you'll see and uh, it defines a fairly broad range of composite and primitive types for use in business applications so that no uh, precision loss occurs specifically in financial applications you'll see it has uh, three decimal types which are obviously important in financial processing Um, and uh, it permits descriptive references also in different type systems so if you have a java application on either uh, on either side, and you want to go and reference a particular type in that Java application, you can go and map that into the AMQP um, type system fairly easily and it also comes with its own schema language, which is fairly simple um, and uh, um, you 'll see examples of that as well. AMQP is interesting in that the the type system and uh, the the wire representation can be used in one of two ways: it can be used. As a schema in a schema-bound fashion, like uh, Avro, or Protobuf, or Thrift, um, or many of the, uh, the classic RPC protocol, where you have an external schema that you kind of need to look look at to know what which uh, what each data element means, which prevents that you uh, or saves you from putting metadata, descriptive metadata um, that says you know gives you labels for the data items that you don't have to go put them on the wire repetitively. Um, but you can also use it completely schema free like you would do with JSON or with message packs. So that's really up to you and I'll also show you examples uh, for that in this and then also in particular in the next session. Um, the schema language is expressed in, uh, in XML. That's the only XML that actually occurring in the context of AMQP. is uh, the schema definition language and um, the DTD for this is included in the MQP core spec. And it's actually fairly simple. Um, You define a type uh, with a type tag and then you give it a name and um, you uh, then give it a class. The class is either a primitive type. um, These are the built-in types or a composite type which is built from multiple elements. So that's what you see here in this example. Um, You have a a, a section, the property section really of a message that's being put together from a number of fields. And that, so that's what's called a composite. And then you also have restrictions, and restrictions are similar to those you may know from XSD schema uh, in XML, is that you take a base type and then you can go and, and further uh, refine that base type. And that's a restriction, that's the same thing here. There's archetypes, um, so you can go and group types. You also have a example here. So um, for messages, there are types that describe the sections of the messages. And so the archetype, so the provides attribute that's here basically says this is a section um, of a message and so you can go and identify those types um, uh, easier. Uh, the descriptor is also part of the type definition that uh, gives you a string you can identify that type with and also a number you can identify that type with um, and the number is being put together, it's a 64-bit number put together out of two 32-bit numbers, the first 32-bit number is uh, the IANA um, organization identifier and uh, the default for AMQP for the protocol itself is zero. And uh, then the second part is uh, within that namespace, kind of the number of um, the type. So you can use numerals or you can use um, these strings as identifiers. Um, And a composite has, and that's the special thing about the composite, has multiple fields and the fields can themselves be of uh, type composite, you can actually go and build hierarchies uh, very similar to what you can do with an XML document or what you can do with a JSON document. So, the schema kind of gives you um, a structure um, around this. Composite types are always lists. That's something that we're also going get, to get to what a list is and how that's being encoded. So, um, schemas are going to, sh- you're going to see those schemas mostly in the AMQP spec um, and in, in current practice, how AMQP is used. Um, people tend to, to do more of the schema-less type, um, but you could go, go and use that schema um, as well for your application. So here's a um, restricted type notion. A restricted type inherits a base source type. Um, so we have a restriction here for the sender-settle mode. I just picked uh, schema examples from the, app, from, the, from the specification. This restricts a, U, a U-byte, an unsigned byte, and uh, for the sender-settle mode, um, only three values are valid, zero, one, and 2, and they also have labels. So you can now go and, in your applications, um, call those, use those labels instead of those numbers, and then you can go and very easily translate because you have that schema definition. The schema definition here is that's an AMQP is not meant to be something that immediately reflects on the wire. There's also cons- um, uh, restricted types where you say um, you reinterpret the type, for instance, in seconds, where there's no formal restrictions that's uh, happening here in the type per se, it's just being affected in alias, but that in the documentation, you would say seconds has the following further constraints on top of it. And then you have, uh, um, for instance, delivery annotations here is uh, a, a class, which really is an annotations object, an annotations uh, structure that uh, gets um, also aliased with a, tif- with a different um, type descriptor. So restricted types mostly constrain the value space or take another type and reinterpret it, kind of alias it into a different type. On the wire, um, data looks uh, like uh, this. So two examples. Um, It has a constructor and that's the first byte. So you have this constructor 0xA1, so hex A1. Um, that is uh, a type indicator for um, the string with an eight-byte length indicator expressed in, and the string data is expressed in UTF. That's what um, hex A1 stands for. And once when you see hex A1, you know that there's an 8 byte, eight um, eight-bit, sorry, eight-bit length indicator following this. So that's the next one. One E. One E is the length of the following data, which is "Hello, glorious messaging world." So a string is encoded using, in the minimum, two tra- two leading bytes, the constructor plus the length indicator, and then following that are the UTF-8 bytes. Then you have, uh, um, underneath, a co- more complex type, when you have a leading constructor of zero. Um, that means now we're following with a, with a descriptor, and a descriptor reference is now a type definition reference is typically one of those schema definitions that I, that I uh, showed you earlier. So the descriptor is uh, expressed here in this case as a symbol. So you have the symbol a. You have an A3 constructor that says this is a symbol with um, an um, eight-bit length indicator. Following is followed by the eight-bit length indicator, and that is hex eleven, and then um, or sorry hex one one sorry, and then um, followed by the value for that symbol. And an example. colon book colon list and then followed and so that's the descriptor which now references effectively a externally defined type and that externally defined type is implement is a composite type all composite type are composite types are encoded as lists we're going to get an example of those in a moment and then the list has a um, code of a constructor code of uh, hex 0c and then the contents follow so you have two ways of expressing these constructors one is by just having a, a type indicator and then immediately following the data or you have these more co- complex constructor uh, descriptor constructs that allow you to go and effectively reference any external type um, with this the fixed size data types uh, the primitives all have uh, different codes and uh, mqp takes uh, commonly used types and commonly used values and, and compresses them in more compact form. So um, the, the type system is kind of organized by the number of bytes that the type occupies for anything that's a fixed sizing. So the strings that we see, saw is a variable size thing, we're gonna to get to that in a second. Let's we'll focus on the fixed size first. So fixed size is everything that's a number, as you can see here, or a, a byte sequence, or a decimals, or a char, or a timestamp, or UUID. These are all fixed size elements. So the null is encoded without any data bytes. So a null is hex four zero with um, just the constructor and there's no data following. So the constructor itself expresses null and null is a distinct type that that, um, applies to all other types. Boolean can only have two states, obviously. So Boolean is also expressible using two distinct um, constructors and that is uh, hex four one and hex four two. Hex 41 is a Boolean with a value of true, and a hex 42 is, ha- is a Boolean with a value of false, which means you don't, don't need any extra data byte, you only need to have the constructor. So that's expressible in one byte. If you want to have a Boolean um, expressed in the proper way uh, with a constructor and a value, that's uh, code um, 5 hex 56. A un- unsigned byte is uh, a uh, 5 zero. Uh, unsigned short is a 6-0 and that means it takes one byte, takes two bytes. And then a uint is interesting because the uint has a, is a 4-byte type, 32-bit. So that has a code 7-0 but it has two shortcuts. Uh, one is if the value of that uint is zero, it is expressible as um, the constructor 4-3. And then that means um, that it is a uint but the value of that uint is zero and expressible in just the constructor byte. And if the value is smaller than 256, then it's expressible using the constructor 52. And then um, the following byte is the value of that uint. But these are still uint types values. So if you have a uint and you put it on the wire, you look at the value and if it's zero, then you basically just put the constructor on the wire and uh, you save those four bytes. So what it does, it kind of takes common, there's a lot of zeros we send around and it tries to limit the number of zeros we send around and just express them. In a more compact form. We often have um, you know, ample space allocated for numbers that never really go up more up to more than 256. So it also tries to accommodate for those and just transfers in a more compact form. As you can see, that's also true for um, some of the other types. So it tries to be um, clever about um, these encoding the primitives types. The variable size primitives, you already saw an example in the beginning, um, the string. Uh, with A1, hex A1 as the constructor, then the leading the, the length bit. Um, also, that is a clever shorthand um, that also exists for, if you want to have a longer string, then you use a different constructor, B1, and uh, then you have a four byte, a uh, Uint um, length indicator that you can then use for the string that then follows. So variable size pr- uh, primitive encodings have a one-byte or a four-byte preamble, and that's true for binaries and for strings and for symbols, and symbols are um, just specialized, separate um, ways of uh, encoding a string that's specifically used for symbols, and symbols are more constrained um, to the permissible um, AMQP uh, sp- value space for symbols. Um, then there are um, um, arrays and lists and maps. So these foundational data structures, an array is expressed with a constructor of 0e um, and uh, there's also a longer form of course with four bytes um, and you, s- def- you specify the element count, how many elements are following and then you have the element constructor following um, which then applies to every element in that sequence. So you specify the, uh, the constructor once and then all the following elements are of that type in that sequence. A list is a polymorphic array if you will. So you go and specify a list here is C0. You see this very very often in AMQP if you look at the type system because all the composite types are actually expressed at lists, as lists. So you have a C C0 followed by the element count, 03, and now um, that is being followed by um, a list of elements, each with its own constructor. So that's a polymorphic sequence. A map is a key value pair set. And uh, the element, the number of elements here are the total number of elements and they're always expressed in pairs. So the number of elements for a map is always even. Um, so here, 04 means there's two key, two key value pairs on the wire. And that is also polymorphic. So you have a key and a value and a key and a value expressed in that map. For composite types, the key must be um, a string. If you just define a map, then the uh, key can be anything that you like. That much for the primitive types and kind of how they manifest on the wire. We're going to put that all together um, by investigating the composite types per se, and then also um, go and take a look at messages and also how AMQP then ultimately, how an AMQP transfer manifests on the wire.